0: You're listening to the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This episode is brought to you by the Vacation Rental Formula's own Virtual Vendor Showcase. The Virtual Vendor Showcase is a virtual online exhibitor hall, giving you the opportunity to browse products and services that may be of value to you and your business, all with video testimonials from people who have used a product or service and talk about how their business has been transformed because of it. Head across to vacationrentalformula.com forward slash VVS to find out more. Now, let's get started. Here's your host, Heather Bayer.
1: In today's episode, you've got me, just solo, talking about how to wow our guests in 2021. It's been a weird year, we all know this, and for some of us, another weird summer to come, and I'm finding, and I don't know about you, that guests are far more demanding, they are far more intolerant. We're hearing more about refund requests and rebate requests. And I want to talk about how we can make sure that we minimize all the issues that may arise in this upcoming summer of 2021. This is the Vacation Rental Success Podcast, keeping you up to date with news, views, information and resources on this rapidly changing short-term rental business. I'm your host, Heather Bayer, and with 25 years of experience in this industry, I'm making sure you know what's hot, what's not, what's new, and what will help make your business a success. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer. As ever, delighted to be back with you once again. And it's lovely to be welcoming May. You know, the summer is coming. Actually, it doesn't actually feel like summer's coming now. <laughs> it was snowing yesterday. No, just just lightly. Nothing that was going to settle. But, you know, it, the, the, there is still snow in the air And it looks like we're going to wait another couple of weeks before we get some really good weather. But what the heck, we know that in a couple of months time, we're going to be in the warm weather and we have everything crossed that all our guests that we have booked for this summer are going to be able to come and enjoy their vacations. Here in Ontario, we are currently in a lockdown that's going to last until May the 21st. And I... I honestly think they're going to extend it probably for another few weeks. So we are trying to get ahead of the game, making sure that we've got everything in place, so that if we have to do mass cancellations, that it's easy enough to do administratively. Hey, we're used to it by now. We, we've gone through so many of these mass cancellations and then all of a sudden everything gets opened up again. It's like, and wow, well, the floodgates open and we're booked again in, in no time. And I think I've mentioned this before. We've, ever since the start of the pandemic, we've had a policy where we don't ask people to rebook or book another date. We just, if if the province has a lockdown, they get their money back. You just get your money back we do retain our very small booking fee because it it covers the, well, sometimes it covers the credit card cost that we pay upfront. But we make it very clear that, you know, if you book now for, let's say sometime in June and the province locks us down, you are going to lose your booking fee. So if you don't want to do that, don't book and just leave it until we know that we're going to be open. So that, that's, you know, it's one thing we've been doing over the past few months is is putting all sorts of systems and procedures in place. And for anybody who's listened to a lot of these podcasts, I have done a couple of episodes going way, way back on emergency planning. And I've always been really hot on this emergency planning, you know, let's think ahead to the future. And I look back on an episode I did way back in oh, I don't know, 2014 or 15 or something like that, very early on, where I talked about planning for these things that might happen. And actually one of them was a pandemic, little realizing that it would actually happen. And, you know, just like the doctor who smokes, I tend to be a little bit on the side of not practicing what I preach occasionally and and although we had some plans in place when this struck they weren't as robust as they should have been but anyway you know we've we've been there we've done it we know what to do and and everything runs really smoothly now when we get lockdowns or we suddenly open up again however not going to talk about that anymore certainly in this episode what i want to talk about today is how we wow our guests This year, because it used to be easy to host guests, and it is not so easy now. I'm sure you've all noticed this. People are more jaded, they are harder to please. And many people have paid much more for their vacations in 2021 than they did in the past because prices have risen. And so they are going to be much more demanding. We've had situations recently, because we have so many people on a waiting list for for an opening, for a new listing or for a cancellation, that we've had emails and calls from people who said, I don't care what I have to pay, just find me something on the water for a week this summer. This sadly has uh, got some independent owners deciding that they're going to rack their prices up so much, sometimes double what their prices were in 2019 because people will pay them. Not realising that once these people get there and when we get into the summer, we could find that the pandemic is beginning to get a little further away in the rearview mirror and people are getting back to some semblance of normality. And then they arrive on their vacation, which they paid through the nose for and find that they're not getting value, because memories are short. They are not going to remember what it was like not having a vacation, and having to really grasp at what was whatever was out there. All they realise is that they've found this property, this location, it wasn't quite what they were looking for in a normal year, when they've got a lot more choice, and they've paid through the nose for it. They are not going to be happy about it. And they are going to ask for refunds. They're going to ask for rebates. So there's going to be more complaints this year. And regardless of you know, how well you run your business and how perfect everything seems to be, I think we're going to see a rise in unhappier clients this year. And I know there's so many things that I hear people do to make their place more appealing To guests when they arrive. But you know the towel in the shape of an elephant on the end of the bed is not going to cut it anymore. If there is a dust bunny under the bed, or if there's no vacuum marks on a carpet to show that it's been cleaned, and a bowl with a few bags of chips and a couple of bottles of water isn't going to cut it either. We've got to go the extra mile this year to make sure that guests are feeling that they have the value for money. And one of those ways of doing it, we're going to talk through a number of things that you can do that don't cost a huge amount, but just take a little bit of care and attention. Because this year, I don't believe there's room for anything that is half-hearted. And if you are not prepared to double down on customer service from beginning to end you will find that it's going to be a tougher year for you. So what I'm going to talk about is actually go through a property and go through the customer journey and figure out at each stage where you can make that difference so that if your guests find something to complain about, there's far too much on the positive side for them to dwell on the negatives. Some of this is exactly the same as you would normally do in the normal course of business. You know, you make the place easy to find and easy to access. That's so primary that directions are perfectly laid out. I always remember years ago going to Eleuthera in the Bahamas, and we'd never been to the Bahamas before, and it was it was all very, very new, and we'd got to Nassau, and then we got on a little puddle jumper that went from Nassau to Eleuthera. And we rented a car and off we went and we followed the directions that the owner had given us. And eventually we, I mean, Luthor is this long island, it's a hundred miles long and it's, it's, I think a hundred miles long and it's very, very narrow. So like less than a mile in places and sometimes less, half a mile. So you have this long, long island, there's one road that runs right through it. You can't go wrong. But then you have to find the appropriate left-hand turn that takes you to the property that you've booked or the property that we booked. We missed it the first time driving down this road because the directions were, were really not not particularly good. But we realised shortly after and we turned around and came back, found this turning. And I think the uh, the directions said you'll see a large amount of garbage bins at the end of the road. But in fact, every single road had a lot of garbage bins at the end of it. So therein lay that problem. But anyway, we found the right one and we get onto what is no more than, I can't even say it's a dirt track because it was covered in these big boulders and ruts and big holes. And we're in a four-wheel drive, a Jeep, I think. Obviously you need one, a a Jeep on these roads, but still it was, we were not prepared for it. We were not prepared for this awful, awful road. And it was probably about a mile that we drove down this road. And I think it took about 15 minutes because we were going so slowly to, to drive around these huge ruts and these big rocks in the road. By the time we got to the property, I mean, it had been after a long long journey. It was a full day of of flying and changing airports. I think we had three or four different flights. Then getting there sort of late in the evening, finding that the local store was shut because we hadn't been given that information on the fact that the store was shut at 5 p.m. and we were landing at 5 p.m. So we were going to miss that. So we're already really disappointed because we've got... got no booze, (laughs) no beer and wine for the first night and hoping that there's some water and perhaps, you know, and we've got nothing to eat, Uh, just a few snacks we brought with us. So not happy campers at the very outset. Then this road, then we find the house, which actually had a really nice sign outside. So it was easy to identify the house. And we drive up this very, very lovely driveway And then it takes us another ten minutes to find the key, which was meant to be under under a frog, a stone frog by the front door. But it wasn't. It was under another rock somewhere else, and we had to go searching for it. By the time we got into the property, we were thoroughly, thoroughly upset. You know, it was had all of a sudden, the long day, which had seemed so exciting at the outset, had become miserable. We had a small baby with us. There were four of us and the baby, and even the fact that we'd arrived at this, we finally arrived at this gorgeous location with this beautiful beach, and you know everything was there. We were a pretty miserable bunch. So there were a couple of things that that owner could have done, apart from fix the road, which of course that that was an impossibility. But they could have warned us. They could have warned us that the road into the property was going to be uncomfortable and to prepare to spend 10 or 15 minutes driving it if you weren't used to that type of terrain. They could have warned us that the stores wouldn't be open. They could have offered to have some beer and wine available at the property when we got there they could have had somebody unlock the door. So when we arrived, we could walk straight in. So do you see how all this compounds to create a situation? You're actually creating unhappy guests inadvertently by not doing some very, very simple things. I learned a huge amount from that particular stay and that particular experience because it could have been 100% different. It really could. And the owner could have offered for somebody to drive us there. You know, if it, it was that bad. I and mean, once once we were used to it, we were going in and out no problem because you know we found the spots that were more difficult and how to avoid them and which ruts were going to really ground the car and which were not. So so that is something that just, just driving in in the first place was a real challenge. So with that knowledge that the owner had, they could have created a better situation for us in so many different ways. I mean, after that first impression, the vacation was pretty great, but there were certainly, I was noticing so many other things that were wrong with it. And I think it was the experience of that first arrival that got me to nitpicking around the place to find something else to be angry about. So that's my first tip, really. Get yourself into your client shoes. Imagine somebody who's never been to your place, uh, your location ever. What are they going to experience? We have on our site a section for, which is called a guide to international travelers, which of course we have, we're not having at the moment, but in the future we, we will be getting international travelers coming to Ontario because the driving rules are very different here than they are in the UK. So in our section for international travellers, and we send this as a PDF to our guests before they arrive, we tell them exactly what it's going to be like when they leave the airport, which is usually pretty horrible. They're arriving at four or five o'clock in the afternoon after an international flight, and then they're spat out of the airport onto one of the busiest highways in the world, which is the 401 north of Toronto. So we provide warning of what this is going to be like, and we also provide some alternatives and some helpful advice on how to navigate this spaghetti junction of um, of off ramps and on ramps and sixteen lanes of traffic, etc. Because. I remember doing it myself. I remember arriving in Toronto for the first time and getting through customs, immigration, whatever, getting the, it was so exciting, getting the car and then spending the next two hours in traffic. So we do this warning. We send this guide to international travellers. It tells them about the uh, the arrival. It tells them about some of the things that they will experience in Ontario that they wouldn't experience in the UK. One of them is stopping for school buses, which we which never happened in the UK. You know, school bus stops. It, it's usually a sort of it look, looks more like a coach than a school bus. We don't have yellow school buses, yellow orange school buses. and there are no rules of the road that require you to stop when a bus a school bus is coming towards you. So we tell them about that or else you know a fine can be issued very, very quickly. We also tell them about four-way junctions. It was I, re- I remember the first time we came to a four-way junction and we arrived at this these four ways and everybody seemed to be acting in an odd way. You know, they'd stop and then they'd wait for somebody else. I'm thinking, oh my God, these people are so polite. And it wasn't until, <laughs> you know, a couple of times we went out and we realized that there was there was a sequence to this. People seemed to understand how to do it. Uh, and I love I mean four-way junctions are amazing and I absolutely love them and and it still blows me away that people use them particularly here in Ontario with such politeness and and care I guess so the another thing was uh, you cannot drink alcohol in a public space now if you're stopping and having a picnic at the side of the road in UK there's nothing to stop you you know even if it's if it's in a park, having a picnic and getting out a bottle of wine or, or some beer for those who aren't driving. But here in Ontario, that is verboten. So once again, liable for a fine. And we've heard that people have been fined for doing these things. So it's all about providing plenty of information, not just on the location and the area, but also on the culture and, and things that, that they need to know in order to become a local I guess, and to live like a local. So there's many people that I've interviewed who provide plenty of useful information like this before people arrive. They drip feed the information leading up to a stay. They ask them questions. They ask the guests questions about what they like to do. They send information on places they can go. They offer discounts and and perhaps with, with things like let's say boat rental or bike rental they remind them that they need to book ahead i've been to places where i had i think costa rica a few years ago it's on my bucket list to to do some stand up paddling in the pacific ocean you know i wanted to do it in the pacific never realizing that we would have to book that ahead never thought about it I thought, you know, all these would be available. Fortunately, the property manager at the place we were staying was able to organize this for us. But if we'd gone independently, we, we would, I would have missed out on that bucket list activity. So part of being a great host, being a great property manager, is always being not one step, but many, many steps ahead of your guests in how they plan their vacation. Always interesting to listen or, or see an email when somebody says, oh, I've just got a question for you. We're doing just doing a little vacation planning and we've got a few questions. That is such a great opportunity to go to recognize that they're in a planning mode and go back to them, not just answering those questions, but really over-delivering, asking them questions, finding out. So what are you planning? Are you planning outings? Are you planning a celebration? Are you planning on day trips? And then getting that information back from the guests and then delivering them the solution for what they're planning. So all the while, while you're doing this, you're building up some really good, great goodwill with those guests. I think I mentioned before on one of the episodes that I went to Como a couple of years ago to Antonio Bortolotti's Vacation Rental World Summit and met up with my son and my daughter-in-law and the, their family in Como to have a few, few days' holiday with them as well. Now, I've been to Como before, and I always remembered from years ago that you can go on this great boat trip uh, all the way up the lake, which stops off at different little towns, and you can disembark and go and have lunch and then get back on and go to another little town and spend the afternoon shopping, etc., And I remembered this from, oh gosh, 25 years ago. And I wanted to recreate this and I I knew there were plenty of boats. There was a timetable of, of these boats and I really wanted to plan this. And I actually asked the property management company if they would send me some information. And all I got back from them was, oh, you'll find plenty of this when you arrive at the property. But the thing was, when I arrived, we had such a, a small amount of time because I was going to the conference and then we had to plan all the things we wanted to do with the family in a very short space of time. And I'd done no planning ahead because I had no information and I couldn't find it online. And just to be told that, oh yeah, the, we'll, we'll leave a water taxi timetable in your property, that was not enough. I could have had this information before, so I was able to, to plan. And I'm I think I'm like many other people. You just really want to plan your trip. I, I love the anticipation of going on a trip. So I want to plan it months in advance. You know, Things might change when I get there, but at least I've had that joy of imagining what it's going to be like and doing all that planning. And if you don't provide that information beforehand, they're not going to be able to do that. So it's all about being attuned to what your guests are wanting Listen to them when they call you, read between the lines when they email. And I've, I've said this over and over again, you collect all this rich guest data and it creates a real picture of those guests and what they're looking for in a vacation. And if you're able to provide it for them before they go, so they can do all their planning, they're already well on your side before they get there. Okay, let's move on to the property itself. Of course, you've got to deliver a spotlessly clean property. Never, ever, ever compromise on that. I'm looking at a lot of new properties at the moment, lots of new owners coming into the rental market. And the first thing I say is, you know, get a professional deep clean done. Before you start renting, get a company to come in, pay them well, and have the whole place cleaned inside and out. You know, that that means power washing, siding, etc., clearing out anywhere outside where there's spider webs or insect debris, that sort of thing. I mean, I know it's going to come back, but at least you start looking great, looking great inside and out. And it comes down to the little things like washing down your front door and putting out a brand new mat. So it's not a ratty old, and I'm air quoting, welcome mat, (laughs) because I've seen a lot of those. Often the first thing I do when I arrive at a property is, is look at the mat that's outside the door, because that's what guests are going to see. And then if they see a dirty front door, their first impression is already marred by that approach to the property. So, inside, it's got to be spotlessly clean. There is no compromise. Secondly, make the beds the most comfortable ever. Guests might arrive to a property and it's absolutely fabulous. Everything has gone well. And then, if their first night's sleep is uncomfortable because you've only provided one pillow per person, or if you've got just a light comforter and your guest wants something heavier, you've already upset all the great work that you did making their arrival so good. For example, I love to sleep with the window wide open when it, of course, when it's not steaming, steaming hot. Um, But I like to sleep with an open window, even when it's pretty cold outside. And as long as I have a really heavy duvet on top of me. Something I don't like about summer is having to go to these thin, you know, thin coverlets. So when I was renting out my properties, I already always made sure there was a choice, that there was light blankets, but there was always something heavier for those guests to use, those guests who like the comfort of having something heavier over them while they sleep. Always think, you know, it doesn't matter what you like personally, just make sure you have options for your guests. And I know some owners have options for pillows. They have spare pillows, perhaps goose and feather down, perhaps you know, alternative fillings, foam, whatever. They give their guests some choice as to pillows. Hotels do this now. You know, have choices of what the pillows are filled with. So that's that's just the two basics. So how to up the game throughout the house, and what I'm, I I know all your properties are fabulous. I know you've worked at them, but I think this year you've really got to up the game everywhere. And so I'm just going to go through room by room, just a couple of things you can do in each room to up that game, bearing in mind the different demands that your guests are going to have this year. So let's start with the kitchen. What is it that everybody has been doing over the past year that they probably hadn't done before? And that is making bread sales of bread makers went absolutely through the roof last March. I bought one. Now, having said that, my bread maker is now sitting unused and it has been unused for six months. I went through the whole got to make my own bread stuff and yeah, don't do it much anymore. But then I don't eat bread anymore. So yeah, there's probably isn't much use for a bread maker. But I'm thinking here about the, the fact that people have been at home for the past year more than they have probably at any other time in their domesticated lives. They've spent more time in their homes. Because of that, and the fact that restaurants haven't been open, and certainly at the outset, takeout wasn't as easy to come by, and certainly in rural areas, there is we, we don't have takeout. Then they have been cooking more. So it's really important now more than any time else when they get to a property that they're able to continue with those practices. Because while it's very likely in your area that restaurants will be open and that people will go out to eat, many have had this habit of cooking for themselves. And I've seen a lot of reports saying that the one one of the good things to come out of the pandemic is that it's created a lot more home cooks and they really are enjoying cooking for their families. So it's super important to make sure that the kitchens are really well equipped for these home cooks. So you know, you don't have to buy a bread maker, but if you've got one at home and you're not using it, go put it in the property and make sure you have a bread making recipe book. Although I know people can find the recipes on their devices, but certainly if you've I've, I've got a Sunbeam bread maker or I've got the little book that came with it and I would leave that other small appliances that people have become used to. And my favourite out of all my small appliances is my Instant Pot. And I hear from guests who actually contact us and ask us questions about properties that they're asking, is there an Instant Pot? Because sales of Instant Pots went through the roof last year. More homes have them than any other appliance. And they're relatively inexpensive. So if you've got some space, get a smallish instant pot so it's it's there. Takes the place of a slow cooker. You know, they're they're pretty cheap and cheerful. But I think instant pots are great because it allows people who come in from the beach just to throw something in the instant pot and it's done in 15 minutes. So if you haven't got one, I would recommend that you get them. Then we get to things like baking, home baking. A lot more of that has been going on. So just make sure you've got all the items there for your guests to do some home baking. And this is particularly important in areas where you might have wet days, where families are staying home again, because when they are back in the property, they're going to be wanting to do the things that they do at home and they've enjoyed over the past year. So making sure you've got cookie sheets, you've got muffin pans, uh, a food processor, maybe a a chopper, one of the little choppers that chops nuts and things. These are the things that I would absolutely love to see in a vacation rental if I went on vacation right now. I could not be without my little food chopper, tiny little thing, but it's you know, if I'm going to if so if I'm going to process some nuts, it's really easy to do. So just have a think, go through your kitchen, make sure it is really well equipped for anybody who wants to cook at home. The other thing is, is make sure your knives are sharp. There is no excuse for not having sharp knives in a vacation rental. Justin Ford spoke to us a while back about the dangers of blunt knives. And there are more injuries caused by blunt knives than sharp knives. Reason being is that people get frustrated when a knife is blunt and they begin to use it without as much care and attention as they do when the knife is super sharp. So that was just something I took on board from Justin. I thought, God, you're absolutely right, because I always get frustrated at having a blunt knife. So make sure your knives are super sharp. So for the kitchen, just make sure you've got everything that any home cook would need to prepare food for, for their family and just go to the next level on that one. Now let's talk about tech. People have been at home. They've been using a lot of tech. They want it where they are on vacation too. So you want to give them what they have at home. Amazon Echo, Google Home, give them the best signal that they can have for their Wi-Fi. I went down the other day, I went down the rabbit hole of mesh networks versus Wi-Fi extenders. And I learned a lot. I'm not going to talk about it now. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes for you to go and have a look at the best article I got on a how-to on putting in a system that allows your Wi-Fi to extend to all parts of the home. And we have one in in my house. It's sixteen hundred square feet on each level, so thirty-two hundred square feet in all. And we use a Google Mesh system. So anywhere I go in the house. I have a really good internet signal. You want to make sure this happens in your vacation home too. Voice activation is is something people are used to. See what you can do about that. Having things voice activated. Buying bedside chargers so people can charge their phones, their devices by the side of the bed. How many of us... Do that. I mean, I have a bedside charger. I don't want to get into bed at night and maybe look at look at one of my devices, which is something you shouldn't be doing anyway at night, is looking at devices at night. But anyway, we do. I'll perhaps read a book. And then I think, oh, the battery's down. I don't want to get out of bed and pad down the stairs or go somewhere else to find somewhere to charge it. Because I want that charged for the morning. So I want that battery charger at the side of my bed. So that's simple. Providing a solar power bank for charging phones and iPads, that's, that's particularly useful in places where you're likely to have power outages. So just providing that solar power bank, they're less than $100, and, and your guests are going to love you for it if there is a power outage and they need to power up their phones. Let's talk about office space. More and more people are bringing their work With them, and more and more people are bringing their children with them who who are doing online schooling. Now, I know this from just having my grandchildren here for a couple of weeks. Every morning, I've been getting up, I've been looking at what the teacher has sent, printing off their worksheets. So, if there's one thing that I honestly recommend you get is a small printer, because More and more guests are bringing their kids who are doing online working and need that printing to be done. Super cheap. Just get a printer so your guests who are working or your guests who are doing online schooling have something to print some material out. Also provide a pack of paper. Maybe, and what what I would have is a pack of paper, a shredder so that they can dispose of their used material, a stapler a ruler, a pot of pens and pencils, and, and a couple of blank notebooks. And really neat if you can have branded notebooks at your property because people will take them home. But a little bit of office space, stationery is going to make your guests really feel that you've thought about them. So I'd, I'd mention bedrooms, you know, with a variety of bedding, duvets, blankets, additional pillows, etc. So I won't go on to that. Just keeping in mind that people are very, still very COVID-cleaning conscious, so everything should be washed between guests. There's no longer any place for ratty old comforters, and these need to be laundered regularly, or your guests are not going to be particularly happy about you. Moving outside now, because certainly in our area, majority of our guests spend probably 80% of their time outside. You know, we're in waterfront locations, and guests will get up in the morning. They take their coffee outside. They'll they'll cook outside on barbecues. They'll have lunch outside. They'll eat outside for for, for dinner, and then sit outside around a campfire. And in in between, they're in the water on the watercraft, swimming, fishing, etc. So it is a very much an outside environment. So we want to make it just as easy to be outdoors as uh, guests can be indoors. And once again, I go back to thinking about your guests, putting yourself into their shoes and imagining what it's like for them to have a day at your property. So I'll tell you about my own property. I live in a waterfront location. I have a river at the bottom of my garden and there's a beach and we can swim from there and we can kayak, etc. But it's quite a distance. It's probably 150, 200 meters down to the water. Now, when I say quite a distance, I mean it's a distance if you are hauling stuff. And I in the summer we will go down to the water. We take a small barbecue. We take all the. We can't leave chairs down there because the water, if if it rains, the water rises and we will just wash stuff away. So we have to bring it to the water and then bring it out and back every day. So for us, when the grandchildren come, we have one of the little buggies on wheels, and then the kids just load everything in there the fold up chairs, the cooler, the portable barbecue, and they head off down to the beach at the beginning of the day. Everything stays down there all day and then they haul it back at night. That little buggy is absolutely brilliant. And I would strongly recommend that to anybody who has guests who have to walk any distance between the property and where they're going to spend the majority of the time outside, because it will just stop people having to go backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, carrying heavy things. So I love the idea of the buggy and also if if people drive to a beach you know these fold up buggies can just go in the back of their car and help them transport things down to their their beach spot then you provide things like plastic containers for people to take stuff out on a picnic when I've stayed at vacation rentals before you know we've always gone out on picnics so I will explore the cupboards to make sure they've got enough Tupperware containers of different sizes so that I can take everything for a picnic and a cooler. You know, let's have a couple of coolers, a larger one and a couple of smaller ones just for just for for drinks. These are just the little things that can make such a difference to your guests including some ice packs of course so that if they are going out for a day they can keep their food cool in that cooler so outdoor furniture you know, of course if you've got if, if you've got outdoor space you provide outdoor furniture but it's just really important to make sure that you have enough outdoor furniture to seat everybody in that group that might be outside. So if your property uh, accommodates 12 people, you you should have outdoor furniture for 12 people. So often I see these large properties with five or six bedrooms that accommodate up to 12 and then you go outside on the deck and there's a table that sleep, uh, that seats six. And I'm always say, so what about the other six people? Where are they going to sit to eat or they're just going to have to, s- to eat in shifts? And, and I occasionally get some blank looks from, from owners because they ha- just hadn't thought about that. So really important to make sure that your property is as comfortable outside as it is inside. So in our neck of the woods, we have a lot of bugs. We have black fly, in May, June, we have mosquitoes. In July, August, and then we have deer fly. So we, we do have bugs. And I know in different areas, there are different types of bugs. We all have them. We all have to contend with them. But what we can do is make it easier for our guests to cope with them. So perhaps providing a gazebo, a screened, a mesh screened in area that they can go and sit in and still enjoy the outside. So if you don't have the luxury of a screened room, think about how your guests can enjoy the outside in a late afternoon, evening without being subjected to a mass of bugs. Then moving to outdoor games, just providing some things like badminton or bocce ball or some other games for them to play outside, maybe some horseshoes is such a nice touch and I know from my experience of of going away to vacation rentals with the family that actually finding the outdoor games is such a joy because all of a sudden you've got something else to do outside that uh, that perhaps you didn't expect. So always recommend uh, providing some means of outdoor activity, whether it's you know half a dozen frisbees I mean, if you've got a large enough property it's amazing how you can please guests with a very small outlay so again talking about the outside remember after dark outdoor living making sure that your stairs are well lit any stairs that go down off a deck have plenty of lighting and that you provide solar lighting outside on walkways not only is that super safe for your guests, it's giving them a you know, bit of a safe, safer environment, but it's also it's, it's, it's just really, really helpful for them if they want to go outside. And, and particularly if they're sitting outside by a campfire and they want to go back indoors for something and there is a lit path makes it so much nicer for them. And then just going back on the bugs, you might want to supply some bug spray. As well, some complimentary bug spray. People often arrive and they'd forgotten the bug spray, and that first night they want to go and sit around a campfire, and they just can't do it because the bugs are so bad. Talking about providing things, and this is my very last suggestion: is providing enough stuff to see them through a week. And I know there's you know, I'll probably get some. Pushback on this because you know even some of my own owners in my property management company don't want to provide more than the get you in pack. But my view is is that particularly in at this time when rental rates are such at such a premium, give them the stuff. Give them enough toilet paper to last their week. Give them enough kitchen towel. Provide the dishwasher tabs. Provide. Laundry detergent. Now you don't have to provide huge boxes, and I, I've I've seen it on the Facebook groups where people are saying, "Oh, they took they took my box of Tide, or they they took away my box of dishwasher tabs." Just provide some containers with enough of this stuff to last them a week, but be generous. You know these things don't cost a huge amount. Occasionally, someone is going to disappear off with all your toilet roll or maybe they just use it, but it doesn't matter. You don't have any point in that week where a guest is going, oh my gosh, we've got to go out and get some more toilet paper or some kitchen towel or some dishwasher detergent. You're just preempting that. You don't want to get into a situation where a guest is feeling something negative. Okay. I think think I've uh, run the course of the things that are going to wow your guests this summer. The thing is, it's not necessarily one thing. It's a combination of all the things that you do that are going to make your guests say at the end of the stay, wow, that was a fantastic time. We were not wanting for anything. Even if the weather was bad, we were able to enjoy it because of the way that the place was set up you know it rained but we were able to go out because the owners had provided us with a long list of places we could of things we could do on a rainy day it's all a matter of thinking ahead it's a matter of preempting you know what might happen and let's fix it before it even does and it's not to say that you're not going to have unhappy guests it's it that that's that's just a fact. There's people who are prone to being negative, and there may be some who are out there looking for negative stuff to report because they're angling for a refund or rebate. And there are some, of course. You're going to come across absolutely everybody, every type of person in this business. But if you've made your 100% effort at making it super special, then you're going to get far less of them. That's all I can say. Also, make sure you've got a good complaints procedure in place. You know exactly what you'll do under different circumstances and if different things happen. And I think I will address that in a future episode. But for now, I'd love to hear from you as to, you know, what are those little things that are going to wow your guests this summer? Mm -hmm. So before I go, just want to say a word about the Virtual Vendor Showcase, which we are looking at uh, uh, growing over the next few months. We're just about, in fact, I think we probably have now, launched it officially officially. And we are looking for more vendors who want to come and take advantage of this opportunity, not just to advertise your products, but to have them endorsed by us, um, to have us interview you and share what it is that you're promoting to owners and managers and get your message out when, you know, at a time when it's a little bit more difficult to do so. So you'll find a link to the Virtual Vendor Showcase uh, at the end of the show notes. And I'd love you to come along and take a look at the Virtual Vendor Showcase. Check out some of the vendors. There's just a few there at the moment. This This is growing. It will grow over the next few months. And let me know if you have any questions. So for me, that's another wrap. I am looking forward to heading outside. It looks like the sun's beginning to shine. So uh, yeah, almost heading for my garden now. So thanks again for listening. Always a pleasure to be with you.
0: You've been listening to the Vacation Rental Success Podcast, and we hope you've enjoyed this episode. This episode was brought to you by the Vacation Rental Formula's own Virtual Vendor Showcase, your go-to location when searching for new products and services for your vacation rental business. Head across to vacationrentalformula.com forward slash VVS to find out more.
1: It's been a pleasure as ever being with you. If there's anything you'd like to comment on, then join the conversation on the show notes for the episode at vacationrentalformula.com. We'd love to hear from you, and I look forward to being with you again next week.